Nurses and Hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. Happy Chinese New Year! It's the Year of the Rat! And wouldn't you know it, we're on the verge of a global pandemic. I mean, I was wondering when the next global pandemic was gonna hit because it's been a while. And now we are in the crown of all viruses, coronavirus. I mean, it's literally shut down China. 35 million people. There's over 900 cases and there's new cases being detected in the U.S. But should we panic? I mean, is it really all that bad? Well, on this episode of Nurses and Hypochondriacs, I bring back that germ guy, Jason Tetro, to tell you all about the coronavirus and whether you should start panicking or not. Stay tuned. But first, a word from our sponsors. Sequels. Some of them are good. Most of them are bad. But on the Sequels Revenge podcast, we're here to celebrate all things sequels. Host John Coulomb and Bill Posley bring on a guest to talk about their favorite movies, and then we pitch a sequel to it. It's a sequel that nobody asked for, but one that we'd like to see. Then we go away. Write the first five pages to the sequel. Bring in a table of actors to read it. So if any of this sounds appealing to you, you should download Sequels Revenge podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play stores. And once again, we're in a plague. Welcome to the show, Jason Tetro. <laughs> Hello. My favorite germ guy. I always seem to be on the show whenever there's some new plague going around. <laughs> I know, but it's so fun. You're like part of the family. This is your <laughs> awesome. third you. time on the show. Yes. Yeah, so welcome. So what have you been up to? You've been super busy this week, I know. Yes. But other it's... than the coronavirus that we're going to be talking about in depth, <laughs> tell us what you've been up to. Well, I've been... Uh pretty much working uh, behind the scenes with a number of different companies. Infection prevention control is one of my uh, true passions, and there have been some really great advancements in helping to uh, reduce the opportunity for spread. So uh, I've been sort of working behind the scenes a little bit. Uh, You know, I've had my show. uh, We've taken a bit of a break since the end of the year. But we're still up for a few awards, which is really great. The Super Awesome Science Show has been uh, a really great success. So right now, I'm, you know, I was taking it a, a bit easier. But uh, thanks to the coronavirus, I seem to be uh, busy again. <laughs> That's great. I mean, it's like, you know, you got to thank God for a plague. It keeps me in business, too, somewhat. You know, yeah. Trying not to get sick. But who knows? So this is a crazy virus. Allegedly, it came out December 31st, right? New Year's Eve. Right around the time we knew we were going to war or supposedly that guy got killed in Iran. Mm -hmm. Suleiman, I don't know his name exactly. So don't quote me. (laughs) Don't give me bad reviews. I can't get stuff right. But yeah, so 
we were impending on war. This guy got killed in Iran. We're in impeachment here in the U.S. because you're in Canada. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, December 31st, this coronavirus comes out. But we yeah. don't hear about it. Like, I didn't hear about it until Tuesday morning around 6 o'clock. I was on a treadmill in Bakersfield at my hotel because I'm on contract out there. And I'm watching CNN. I don't watch CNN. But there it is, coronavirus. And it's like crazy, all these Chinese people with masks, and they can't get into the U.S., and they're upset. And there's all some habage, I don't know, about Wuhan. And I'm like, (laughs) is it the Wu-Tang clan? What's going on? And Sanjay Gupta is there. And whoever is doing Sanjay's plastic surgery, phenomenal. He looks (laughs) I mean, his face looks amazing. I was like, oh, my God, he looks so good. And, of course, he used to be a surgeon, but he knows everything about everything. You know, so now he's an epidemiologist and giving information about viruses, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and and it's funny because he really didn't know very much. He's like, I don't know. It's like a cold. Just wash your hands. Stay home, you know. And, um, And he was talking about these infrared fever detectors, at the airport, which I was like, oh my God, those are so cool. And mm-hmm. I was doing a little bit of research and they've been around for a while, yeah. um, since about 2005 and stuff. So tell us about this coronavirus. All right, well, let's just start off um, kind of like Sheldon Cooper. It was a warm night about 300 million years ago. And the uh, mammals were just starting to, you know, have some fun, taking over and stuff. And in the process, uh, the viruses, which have been around since pretty much the beginning of of the Earth, uh, were adapting, trying to find new hosts, as viruses tend to like to do. And so they found their way into mammalian species. Now, originally, this was thought to have only happened about 10,000 years ago for the coronavirus, but it very much looks like it's been around for pretty much millions of years. Now, when that happens over the course of time, as the mammalian species started to uh, become more diverse, so did these coronaviruses. And so what ends up happening is that you now have uh, different groups of these coronaviruses, the alphas, the betas, the gammas. And out of those, the beta coronaviruses are the ones that seemingly affect uh, the animals that are closest to us. Uh, and also humans in general. So that takes us into that you know, idea of coronaviruses. And then eventually, when they were discovered about 50 or so years ago, <clears throat> might be 60 years ago now, we're 2020, um, when you look at them under the microscope, what you actually see is this really interesting round shape with a whole bunch of dots around it. Now, those dots are what we call a spike glycoprotein, but it looks like a crown. So... When so that's why they name, call it corona. Coronavirus. Now, some people also think that uh, it, it, they kind of look like little suns, so coronavirus might actually have something to do with that. But it doesn't really matter. They were called coronaviruses. Now, there's, you know. Are they viruses all clustered together? Because it says it's kind of like a family of viruses. Well, yeah. That's so, what I read in one article. So the coronaviruses are broken up into a number of different subgroups, and then um, after that, different substrains, and then, of course, after that, isolates. And so 
within these beta coronaviruses, you have a variety of different types of um, subgroups, subtypes, clades, and then you have the isolates. And the one that's really most important to us when it comes to all the news that we're hearing about uh, happens to be the bat. So coronaviruses, uh, beta coronaviruses, uh, there's a group of them clustered that really do like being in bats. And so what has happened is that over a number of centuries, millennia, whatever it is, they've been evolving, they've been adapting. Because as you know, anything that is living can go through recombination, mutation, evolution. And so these viruses um, ha have been evolving and in particular, those little dots that are around the coronavirus, if you were to Google it and say electron uh, microscopy, uh, those have been sort of changing. And as they change, what ends up happening is the receptor that allows them to get into a cell to cause infection also changes. And so when we start looking at how these coronaviruses infect us, what we're finding is that depending on the type of coronavirus, it uses a different type of receptor. Now, I don't know if you remember SARS. Yes, because they're saying that this is in the same family. Yeah. I mean, it is a zoonotic disease. Yeah. And there's been some controversy. I'll get your bat controversy, which I thought it was interesting. I love bats. But they're right. saying that uh, there were some scientists debating it could either be a bat or it could be coming from a snake. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is that SARS uses a receptor that's very common in us. It's called the angiotensin-converting enzyme 2, or ACE2. That, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that enzyme in a minute, but just remember ACE2, because that's going to play a very important role. Now, in order for that virus in the bat to be able to uh, evolve and, and mutate so that it can become part of the human ACE2 receptor or like that receptor. Sometimes you have to go through an intermediate species. So with SARS, uh, pretty much everyone has thought that it's gonna be the civet cat, and that's what the research is saying. If there is an intermediate species when it comes to this particular coronavirus, what might it be? And so this is where it gets really, um, I wouldn't necessarily say conspiracy theory, but you know how flat earthers like to, uh, you know, use calculations to prove that the earth is flat, even though they look sound, they look mathematically inclined, but they really aren't. <laughs> right. Well, a, a group of researchers did a very modern computational design in the hopes of identifying what the virus would be best in, in terms of growing. And so they were looking at the genome, they were looking at proteins, they were looking at the way that genes turn into proteins. And what they found was that the mechanism that happens to be in the snake has the least amount of energy necessary for it to happen. In other words, it looks like the virus would grow really, really well inside of a snake. Interesting. So what they're doing is they're pulling two and two together to make five, and that's why they came up with snakes. Now, the controversy, of course, is that we probably could also get the virus directly from bats. <laughs> and so when you start looking at that Wuhan market, which was sort of the epicenter of all of this, uh, it was a fish market, yes, but they had other animals. And they had bats, they had snakes. And now we're kind of like, hmm, which one was which? 
So we're going to have to do animal studies and find out, you know, is it bats? Is it snakes? Is it something else? Who knows? Right. So they're saying now that uh, China is on lockdown, basically, because what is it? 900 or 800 cases, I guess, have been confirmed. Um, mm -hmm. I forget. There's uh, the death toll is changing every day. I think there's 26 deaths in China. Yeah. There are two cases in the United States. One was in Washington State. That was the first one. Now there's a second confirmed in Chicago. Yeah. And the other one, as um, I was just reading, was I think North Carolina. They don't know. There's a few people infected. North Carolina, Oregon. I believe they're looking now in uh, New York State. Um, this is to be expected. I mean, the population of China is... You know, normally you would say it's like one one hundredth or one one thousandth if you're talking about the population of a country in terms of the world population. It's like one sixth of the population is wow. China. So when you start thinking about all the people who are traveling in the world, one out of every six of those is probably going to have some basis in China. And that means that they may have come from China. So as you're looking at the statistics, the probability is that every single country in the world may end up having someone who happens to have been in the Wuhan province. And one other thing that you have to sort of take into consideration, and this didn't get any coverage here in North America, but last Saturday, there was a festival in Wuhan where they attracted something like 40,000 people families and it was a celebration in advance of the new year this the spring festival if you will now you go there and you know they've got some really great things going on uh the, the most important one happens to be the wuhan soup competition so you know you've got your pork you got your lotus root you put it all together and different spices and stuff like that delicious That's interesting okay so we just had a competitive eater on the show a couple yeah. episodes back so yeah our first episode for the new year was a competitive year. He's oh, like, wow. That's awesome. World. So, yep. It's yeah. interesting that it all started at a competitive eating competition or a soup competition. Well, that's it. Some is that you had this competition. You had this huge, huge gathering, right? And now we're finding out that it looks like about three to six days is the incubation period and people start seeking out help around day seven. Well, we're at day six going to day seven. And surprise, surprise everyone is going into hospitals because they're probably feeling unwell. Now, are they feeling unwell because of this coronavirus? Who knows? But some of those people will be infected and then they're going to get on planes and they're going to head out to whatever country they want. So what, what you're seeing is a classic example of what we call mass gathering and then efflux. So everyone comes together at one spot, all mingles around, a virus that has close contact, has the potential to be able to spread, gets into people, they all go to other places, and then you start seeing the cases in these isolated environments. Now, the real question is, is this virus really as contagious as SARS was? That's right a good now, point that you bring up. You know, is it, is it really that contagious or are they just hyping it up? like wildfire. Well, we, we can get into the hype in a minute, but what I can tell you is this. All of these areas where people have gone and they're now being tested and you have the positive cases, the contacts are going to be traced. 
And as of now, both in sort of the Wuhan province and other places in China, and I'm sure we're going to see it as well in all these isolated areas, the contacts are not going to be infected. And so when you put all of that into consideration, it simply means that you really need to have that close contact. So family relations, mm -hmm. healthcare workers, possibly, you know, these um, places where you're just pushing people into one another, et cetera, et cetera. Now, here in North America, we think, hmm, there's not a heck of a lot of places where that could happen. In a place that's as densely populated as China, that could be the subway on a Monday morning. Right. I saw a picture of someone inside a subway and they were just totally hosing it down. You know? Yeah. Because the coronavirus has the ability to stick around on surfaces, especially if it's in bodily fluid for well over a week. And if you do it in the laboratory like we used to do, you could probably keep it alive for like 28 days. Now, granted, that, that's not the situation. But if you've all of a sudden got a whole bunch of people coming off a train and that train's going to have a whole bunch more people coming on in less than eight hours, you're probably going to want to disinfect that or else people may end up picking it up on their hands and infecting themselves. And people usually don't wash their hands. I mean, exactly. But in China, we do see a lot of people wearing the mask all the time. I know, so. but ma masks are ma masks are really nice. They're 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 pretty. They 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 convey so some sort of message. Yourself. Yeah, you can reinfect yourself. I was at a cafe today and yeah. I saw a kid wearing a mask and it had a smiley face on it, and I'm like, he's just reinfecting himself. You know, I get it. He's either not wanting to get sick or wanting mm -hmm. to get other people sick. Whatever his. Yeah. And don't forget, unless you're using, uh, you know, a very high quality mask, the likelihood is that it's going to get wet and it's probably going to lose its ability. And exactly. then you also have to wear it properly. And I remember back in the days of SARS, back in 2003, there were these pictures of healthcare workers who were on the front lines and they weren't wearing masks properly. They weren't wearing gloves properly. Like the, the, the personal protective equipment, the PPE, just wasn't being used correctly because they never really had to. It was just there. And then SARS comes around and before you know it, oh my goodness, you know, this thing is getting into people and it's causing them to be sick and it's getting into healthy people and causing them to be sick. There, there's not much you can do about that. So that's why you need to be using the masks uh, in, in an effective manner. Same thing with the gloves. That all being said, the most likely way of you being infected is by touching someone else's snot or, or uh, cough fluids, droplets, that type of thing, and then infecting yourself, which is why you should be constantly using that hand hygiene product, whether it be a hand sanitizer, soap and water, whatever it may be, because for that's 20 seconds for at least those 20 seconds. Um, it's funny. Uh, there was one, uh, sign that I saw for infection prevention and control and it had all of the different lists of what you need you know the mask wear it right the this and then hand hygiene minimum 15 seconds preferably 20. <laughs> so funny I think that's the number one thing you got to be doing yeah. some of the signs and symptoms of the coronavirus are runny nose and by the way people I'm getting this off of the CDC website okay runny nose headache cough sore throat fever a general feeling of being unwell. That's a URI. It's an upper respiratory infection right there. I yep. mean, I did read in, a, in an article that this virus can turn your lungs into honeycombs, like make holes into your lungs. Yeah. How true is that? 
Well, this is where it, uh, remember I told you to remember that ACE2? Yes. Okay, so angiotensin converting enzyme 2 is incredibly important when it comes to inflammation. Now, people who have hypertension, diabetes, and a number of other pre-existing conditions will actually have altered levels of ACE2. Now, the virus will get in. And what ends up happening is that when the ACE2 is being used as a receptor, it will actually lower the concentration of that particular protein in your lungs or wherever it happens to be. When that happens, the body is automatically told that there's an issue and it needs to go into an inflammatory response. Now, all of a sudden, you've got all of these cells, which essentially, I mean, they're blind soldiers. They don't know what they're killing. They just know that they're killing. They go in and they just start wrecking their way. And then they start producing these chemicals, cytokines, that are designed to increase the inflammation. And so what you're going to hear is that a number of the people who have died, not just from Wuhan, but also from SARS, MERS, and uh, avian influenza, they died of what you call cytokine storm. It's yes. just that SARS actually hits the protein that leads to a cytokine storm. Wow. Now, this Wuhan does not, at least computationally and based on some of the work that people have been doing that have recently been published, it's not as strong as SARS. So therefore, you may still not have a high enough level of uh, infection leading to this. So you may end up having small pockets of the infection, but not actually, you know, needing to be in hospital. But still, it doesn't matter. Once it's inside you and it gets onto the ACE2 protein so it can get into the cell, you are destined to have some kind of inflammatory response. So new guidelines that are potentially going to be coming out are going to say to use anti-inflammatories to be able to help, to be able to use uh, blockers so that um, you can prevent that ACE2 from actually being uh, attacked. And eventually, what we're probably also going to see is uh, an effort to try and provide uh, fluids through IV to be able to ensure that there is, um, you know, a strengthening of, uh, of the vasculature, uh, lowering of the blood pressure, that type of thing. So that's where we're heading. And it's all because of that one receptor ACE2. It's just right now, there isn't enough information to be able to concretely say that, but I'm predicting that that's where we're going as a result of this. Sounds pretty right on. I mean, as of now, what they're telling people to do on the CDC website is basically just like a cough and cold. If you're sick, don't go to work. Stay home. Take uh, fever meds. Take pain medication. Uh, wash your hands. Rest. Plenty of fluids. That's about it. Very yep. basic. Uh, and because you can't kill a virus. I mean, a virus just has to take its course. I mean, you can, kind of. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, there's no vaccine for this yet. Yeah. There are conspiracies, though, that I have been reading, which is interesting. They're saying that Bill Gates made this virus oh, God. <laughs> or made the vaccine for the virus or something like that. <sighs> it's crazy. Okay. That's one thing I read. Uh, another thing, which is interesting, this is true, though, that the Wuhan is right on the Yangtze River. And the Yangtze River, that's the major economic import area where all mm -hmm. their uh i cannot hear let me read it 
I have it exactly how it is here. Um, it's uh, Wuhan is a key transport hub on the Yangtze River for goods moving from the interior to the coast, as well as for north-south commercial traffic. So that's like huge. Plus the fact that this virus has hit on their Chinese New Year. When people are trying to get out, trying to party, it's the year of the rat, and don't rats carry disease? Isn't that interesting? It's, it's wild. Don't it's be fleas. blaming the rats. Don't <laughs> oh, that's be right. We talked rats. about this before. It's not the rats. Uh, it's don't, the don't, don't, don't that do live on the rats. <laughs> they're so innocent. I mean, come on. They're, they're, they're just rats. Um, here's something else you need to know. Uh, if you were to design the epicenter for any kind of zoonotic disease that could potentially lead to a pandemic in humans, um, the best place in the world would be the Three Gorges Dam, which is that? Uh, 300 kilometers away from Wuhan. Oh, interesting. And so the fact is, if you happen to be within a certain Does that area, the Yangtze River? Yeah. So you've got the Yangtze, you've got the Three Gorges Dam, you've got basically the melting pot for infectious diseases. And so anyone who might come up with this sort of conspiracy theory that it's being done to be able to somehow cripple the Chinese economy, that type of thing, it's not. And the best way to sort of prove that is if you actually look at um, the, the, the genetic sequences of the Wuhan in comparison to all the other coronaviruses out there. And what you find is that the bat coronavirus, which is perfectly natural, which is perfectly out there, is the closest neighbor to the Wuhan. I ask you, if I am a conspiracy person and I want to do the greatest amount of damage that I want, don't you think I'll remake SARS? It's true because it's more it's potent. It's exactly. More potent, right? Like, would you make something that only partially attacks the ACE2 receptor so that most people are going to have a mild pneumonia and probably recover no problem at all? Or are you going to want to somehow create something that is so easily spreadable, so easily contagious that one person can spread it to dozens of other people like you do with measles? I mean, it makes absolutely no sense. And finally, when you look at the patent from 2015 that everybody out there is going, oh my God, look at patents.justia.com, my God. Yeah, they patented it so that they could develop vaccines because there's a race for a coronavirus vaccine right now. Right. Yeah, and it was so, patented in 2015, right? Yeah. So... The fact is that a lot of people are coming up with these just to try and stir the pot, if you want, or in this case, the bat soup. Um, and it, it's not doing any good. Now, thankfully, there doesn't seem to be a heck of a lot of attention being paid to these people because there is such a transparency that's going on right now. And this is unlike anything we've ever seen. I don't think necessarily that China wanted to be this transparent, but as we now learn, the fact is, is we live in a world where there is no place that is not seen by somebody's camera. It's true. All right. And so as a result of that, it doesn't matter if it's a natural disaster. It doesn't matter if it's something that happened by accident. And it doesn't matter if it's something that is going on the streets 
at, at a particular moment in time, there's going to have to be an explanation for it. And when you start seeing reports coming out of a city of 11 million people, that there's a whole bunch of people falling ill, and it sounds like SARS, and you already know what SARS did to China. China's going to come out and say, ho, ho, just a second here. Here's all our data. You, prove, we'll, we'll prove it to you. It's not SARS. Right. That's basically what they're doing. Now, is that enough for China to be able to convince its own people? Well, maybe, maybe not. So just like they did with SARS, what are they going to do? They're going to build a hospital in six days. Is that what they did with SARS? They built a hospital in six days? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, they built the SARS hospital. We were, we were watching wow. it. Wow. Uh, it was very interesting. That's interesting. And I mean, think about it. I mean, back in 2003, it took a few months before we were cognizant of what was going on. Um, in 1998, way before we had any real decent internet, you know, the H5N1 in Hong Kong, well, we heard about it sort of in the secret, you know, microbiology phone call world. But it wasn't until it came out in the Lancet that people were going, hey, what is this? So the fact is that we don't live in that world anymore. And so right. if there's somebody who comes down with something and ends up dying, you know, if it's grandma, well, there's probably going to be a lot of people who are going to be associated with grandma who are going to be putting that onto social media. And it's, it's gotten to a point now where in China, if you have WeChat or Weibo and you're following any of the official Chinese channels, you are getting updates literally in real time about what they're doing. That's what I, I read in one article that someone had or eight people were arrested because they leaked information about the coronavirus before it was time and the Chinese government arrested them. Again, I don't know if that's true or not, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it doesn't and, matter. And it was on these other sites. I mean, they also closed down Shanghai Disneyland, shut down. Uh, mm -hmm. Hospital pleaded for help. France reported two cases. And the youngest victim so far was identified as a 36-year-old man in central China. Uh, but who knows? That could have already changed. Um, and here's my most recent. Uh, the cases have exceeded 900. Yeah. Uh, infections and reach Europe as travel limits in China encircle 35 million. Mm -hmm. So, but, by the way, I should note that uh, you know how over the last week the cases have seemingly skyrocketed almost exponentially. Yes, uh, that wasn't real time. What do you mean and, that wasn't real time? Well, <laughs> it took a while. So the the sequence was released on January 10th. By the end of that week, they had a PCR test a polymerase chain reaction genetic test to be able to identify the virus, right? Now you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of samples to test. How long is that going to take you? So what they've been doing is they've been testing all these historical uh, samples from prior to the new year. And every time it comes up positive, it goes in the bank. Every time it comes up positive, it goes in the bank. Yeah. So, Someone may have died on January 6th, but we didn't hear about it until January 18th in the death notices. So what I've been telling people and what uh, I'm, I'm sure that we'll probably see is that there's going to be a plateau. Now, I'm not saying the plateau is going to happen tomorrow. 
I mean, the plateau, depending on how many samples they have and how often they're doing the testing, the plateau is going to take a certain amount of time. However, uh, as far as I know, I've heard that there's been a lot more cases, but there haven't been any more deaths. Yeah, that's true. And I think people are getting confused with cases and deaths. People are just freaking out whenever there's mm -hmm. a case. But again, it's like an upper respiratory infection. And like you said, for it to really go there to where you're going to die, you have to be very compromised. Yeah, right? you have to have some kind of compromisation. Um, they're saying that, uh, you know, a third of the people already had one of these conditions that, uh, that, that we're talking about, the hypertension, diabetes, uh, kidney problems. All, That's everybody in America. Yeah, all of which have a relationship <laughs> to the ACE2 receptor. However, um, other people have uh, come down with uh, the infection leading to pneumonia, even though they've been perfectly healthy. It's just that it's mild. It's not, it's not doing what SARS did. It's not taking them out completely wild. So just to wrap up, I'm going to read a tweet from Donald J. Trump at the real Donald Trump. It says, mm -hmm. China has been working very hard to contain the coronavirus. The United States greatly appreciates their efforts and transparency. It will all work out well, in particular on behalf of the American people. I want to thank President, I think it's Z, XI, um, is yeah, how you President say it? Xi, uh, President Xi. Xi, President Xi. So uh, I thought that was pretty funny with the transparency. He's like pointing it out. Like, thanks for <laughs> telling us, by the way. Yeah. I did read another article, uh, which was funny. And it said that it's greatly affecting oil by 3%. Mm -hmm. uh, and also the luxury brands such as Gucci, Cartier, and Louis Vuitton have all lost some weight. Well, yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, if you have if you have anything that's being manufactured in China, especially in those regions that have been shut down, nothing's coming in, nothing's going out, whether it be human or product, and most likely people are not going to be going to work. And I mean, the 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 reality is that the the markets have been so China dependent that. Uh, you know, something like this, which is in effect shutting down 35 million or even more people, it's going to have an effect on your bottom line. So it has happened before where we've seen an economic impact from a, a viral infection. But I think this is the first time where we're seeing it happening in real time, as opposed to looking at it, you know, six months down the road and saying, oh, well, there was a slight drip uh, or drop in uh, uh, you know, in, in tourism, or there was a slight whatever. No, it's happening in real time. And, you know, shareholders are beginning to feel some pain as a result of this. Yeah, it all reminds me of the movie Jaws. You've seen, have you seen Jaws? Oh, of course. And you know how the shark was there, and uh, Amity Island was the island, and it was 4th of July, and everybody was going to go to Amity Island, but there was a shark. And so the sheriff was like, no, we got to shut it down. You know, we got to shut down Amity Island. But the mayor was like, no, because he went for the people. Yeah. The people didn't want to shut it down. They're like, New Year's Eve or 4th of July is our biggest, you know, mm -hmm. economic, uh, where we make our money. You know, that's when yeah. people come in for the holiday. So he didn't shut it down. He didn't li listen to the sheriff. And of course, there, people got attacked still and everything happened. And, and it was interesting, but they've shut down Wuhan. 
I keep saying oh, Wuhan. Yeah, they've they've shut down a lot of uh, of China, and it, it's funny when you uh, the World Health Organization had a had a uh, press conference yesterday, and it was funny because they were saying that China is having a public health emergency. The rest of the world, not so much, which is true. <laughs> However, when you start looking at it from that perspective, everything that China is doing right now is what you would do if you really were dealing with something that had pandemic potential. And so shutting everything down, uh, canceling or postponing New Year's activities, uh, you know, the, the spring festivals are, are essentially going to be barren, all of these things. Uh, I think now what they've told people is they want them to be sitting in front of a television set with their families and loved ones where they happen to be. Um, and, uh, or, or if they're with friends, if they're you know, not at home or something along those lines and watch on television, the Chinese New Year festivals that are. Oh my gosh. Because what else are you going to do? Right. Um, and watch uh, Netflix. Yeah. Well, <laughs> How, how, how to, what is it? How to Stop a Pandemic is the new one on Netflix right now. Oh, wow. Is that trending? I have to watch that. Yeah, it's, it's quite Perfect funny. timing. Perfect timing. I, I personally prefer to watch My Name is Dolomite. But, you know, it's, it's different people. Um, but, uh, you know, what, what's going on in China is really for the sake of, you know, keeping China safe. And it's not something that we need to be doing uh, in North America or any other place. And yes, we're going to see these sporadic cases. We're going to see these isolated cases. I mean, until we start seeing the contacts of these cases coming down with infection, I really don't think we have much to worry about. Cool. Well, thanks again for coming on. And everybody out there, wash your hands. Don't be a hypochondriac. Just wash your hands. I'll just add uh, that uh, in the uh, journal Risk Analysis, there was actually a recent paper that talked about the effect of hand hygiene on migration of infectious diseases from uh, across borders. And it can reduce it anywhere from, I think it was, a quarter to two-thirds. That's the impact of hand hygiene. Exactly. And that's what we learned in nursing school, day one, how to wash hands. I've taught it to my students. I try to teach it to my patients, yeah. but that's going to keep you healthy and safe. Well, exactly. thanks for coming on the show again. Totally fun and so informative. I love you. You're, this is so great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Always great education. Till next time, nurses and hypochondriacs. The World Health Organization has designated 2020 as the year of the nurse and midwife. In honor of the 200th birth anniversary of Florence Nightingale. And did you know that nurses have an 18-year running streak of being the number one most ethical and honest profession in all of America? Rogue Nurse Media 501c3 is going warp speed into this 2020 year of the nurse. We're sponsoring art exhibitions, murals, networking events, movie screenings, and writing webinars to promote the positive image of nurses in the media. We'd love for you to join our team. We're looking for volunteers and sponsors to help us go forward with this amazing journey. For more information, email us at nursesandhypochondriacs at gmail.com. And oh, don't forget to go ahead and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs>